a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Michael Wong. The headlines we're tracking at this hour. Chinese President Xi Jinping calls for stronger ties between China and France, as both countries mark 60 years of diplomatic relations. At the forefront of China's reform, Shanghai's Pudongyu area seeks to pioneer a new round of comprehensive reforms to power China's development and bring new opportunities for international companies. And U.S. economic output grew at a market-beating annualized pace of 3.3% in the final quarter of last year as strong consumer and government spending supported growth. Well, China and France celebrated 60 years of bilateral ties with a reception dinner Thursday at the Grand National Theater right here in Beijing. Chinese President Xi Jinping and French President Emmanuel Macron both delivered video messages while Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and French Ambassador to China, Bertrand Lotharari, attended the event. Ryu Yang has more. During his video speech to a reception celebrating the 60th anniversary of China-France diplomatic ties, Chinese President Xi Jinping said the unique history of China-France relations has shaped the Chinese-French spirit of independence, mutual understanding, foresight and mutual benefits. He also called on the two countries to take the China-France Year of Culture and Tourism and the Paris Olympics as opportunities to expand cultural and people-to-people -people exchanges. French President Emmanuel Macron expressed his congratulations on the 60th anniversary of ties and he added the further development of China-France relations should not only meet the needs of the two peoples, but also benefit the world peace and stability. He said the French side is willing to work together with China to address global challenges and promote the resolution of international crises. Chinese firms Wang Yi and French ambassador to China Bertrand Lothlery, as well as other representatives on both sides, attended the event. The world has entered a period of turbulence and transformation. New challenges of the times have given China-France relations a new historical mission. As permanent members of the United Nations Security Council and independent major powers, China and France should uphold our fine traditions and demonstrate responsibility so as to lead the stability and progress of China-Europe relations and make greater contributions to world peace, development and progress. Wang Yi said China will continue to promote high-quality developments and opening up while providing more convenience for investors from various countries, including France, to invest and develop in China. For his part, French ambassador to China Bertrand Lothlery responded that the pragmatic cooperation between France and China is fruitful and the cultural ties between the two countries are strong. Je suis profondément heureux d'être avec vous. France will jointly implement the important consensus reached between the two heads of state, continue the positive momentum of bilateral relations, and write a new chapter of friendship between the two countries in the new era. This year is also the China-France Year of Culture and Tourism, a series of events featuring performing arts, visual arts, cultural heritage, and tourism promotion will be held between the two sides. Some of the very major events that we will have is, for example, the exhibition Versailles and the Forbidden City, which will take place in April. It will be a wonderful opportunity to discover the very 
long-lasting bonds between our two countries. Um, I believe uh, balanced uh, and stable uh, cooperation uh, trade uh, between uh, the whole EU uh, and uh, China uh, are good for the future, are good for the two, uh, uh, both for the EU and uh, for uh, China, and I think are, are good for the whole uh, world uh, stability uh, as well. During the event, the Chinese Forum also called on the two sides to take advantage of the 60th anniversary of diplomatic ties to deepen cooperation in traditional fields such as aviation and the aerospace sector while tapping into the potential of education, scientific research, the green energy transition, sustainable development and other emerging areas. Yuyang Sijitian, Beijing. Now, over the past six decades, China and France have witnessed growing economic and trade cooperation with bilateral trade volume and mutual direct investment increasing steadily. Currently, France is China's third largest trading partner in the EU, with total bilateral trade volume nearing 80 billion US dollars in 2023. China has also become France's largest trading partner in Asia. And the latest data from the French government shows bilateral trade in goods passed the 100 billion euro mark for the first time in 2022, a year-on-year -year increase of over 14%. In the first eight months of last year, France's actual investment in China increased by nearly 106% on a yearly basis. As a result, France has emerged as the leading European country in terms of investment in China, boasting a staggering number of over 2,000 foreign invested companies. These companies collectively employ a workforce of over 300,000 individuals. A total of 140 French exhibitors took part in the 6th China International Import Expo, which was held last November in Shanghai. Focusing in on key areas, France has deepened cooperation with China in the aviation and space sectors, nuclear energy, agriculture and food. Experts say there's potential for increased cooperation between the two countries in areas including education, green energy, arts, as well as people-to-people -people exchanges. And speaking of China-France economic ties, earlier we sat down with Airbus's Executive Vice President Philippe Moon to get his views on China's business environment and investment outlook. Take a listen. As the world's second largest civil aviation market, China's fleet of commercial aircraft is expanding rapidly. This expansion translates into a surge in the need for comprehensive and efficient aircraft management throughout their entire life cycle. Aviation powerhouse Airbus has officially inaugurated its aircraft lifecycle service center in the bustling city of Chengdu, Sichuan province in China. This center will not only cater to routine checks and overhauls, but also focus on recycling high-value components, a testament to Airbus's commitment to sustainability and eco-efficiency. We sat down with Philip Moon, executive vice president of Airbus, who shared insights on how this pioneering center will revolutionize aircraft lifecycle management and further elevate the synergy between Airbus and China's dynamic aviation landscape. So congratulations that the new lifecycle service center will commence operations soon. Tell us how you see the significance of this project. We see the life cycle management of aircraft to contribute to this uh, sustainability ambition that we have. 
Uh, in Airbus, we uh, perform research and development, we develop aircraft, we manufacture aircraft, we support them. And then when it comes to the uh, end of life of the product, uh, we were thinking that it was uh, uh, providing value to the market, be able to dismantle the uh, aircraft in a sustainable way, in a green way, because of course we want uh, uh, air transport to be uh, as clean as possible. Well, there is a growing emphasis on supply chain resilience, especially amid global uncertainties and geopolitical tensions. How do you see the uh, supply chain resilience in China? China decided to go for high quality in terms of the uh, uh, aeronautical supply chain. Uh, I think that uh, we have, us have a strategy with the local for local uh, supply to our uh, Airbus product uh, to support mainly uh, our uh, Tianjin final assembly line. Uh, and this is something which is, uh, which is important to us. When I'm looking to the, the, rest of the, uh, the rest of the world and the people not believing that traffic would be back and that airline would need some more aircraft. So I think now everybody understood that traffic is back. Uh, that's why we're sharing our global market forecast. Uh, for all the supply chain to be aligned with our own objectives. And I think that's another way. The last topic was probably the access to uh, uh, talent pool. So to be able to uh, hire people, to train them. We still feel the passion of young generation for, uh, uh, to, be, uh, to belong to the uh, air transport and aviation family. Now China is committed to uh, further opening up its market. And this year also marks the 60th anniversary of China-France diplomatic ties. How do you perceive uh, the opportunities to further enhance business and economic cooperation? Uh, when it comes to aviation, uh, I think that uh, you understood that uh, our, our strategy is really to, to have more vertical integration in China, so to be able to uh, manufacture locally what we would need to uh, uh, finally assemble our aircraft. And that's the same for services where we think that uh, there is a, a very robust uh, uh, aviation footprint in, uh, in China and here in Chengdu, for example. And this is what we want to leverage to further develop our services activity in line with the projection that we're sharing with you earlier. Well, China and Thailand are set to waive visa requirements for citizens traveling between the two countries. The agreement is expected to come into effect on March 1st. China is a major source of foreign visitors to Thailand, accounting for more than a quarter of the Southeast Asian country's 40 million international arrivals before the pandemic. Now, this year, Thailand is targeting 35 million foreign visitors, including 8 million from China still to come on the program. At the forefront of China's reform, Shanghai's Pudong New Area seeks to pioneer a new round of comprehensive reforms to power the country's development and bring new opportunities for international companies. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global business. Only on CGTN.
Welcome back. Well, China State Council Information Office has provided more details on the implementation of a pilot program to reform Shanghai's Pudongnu area, which is home to the Shanghai Free Trade Zone. The new five-year plan announced earlier this week is designed to support the high-level reform and opening up of China's economy. Take a listen. We will enhance efforts to improve science and innovation system, protect intellectual property rights, attract talent and change the government's function to improve the business environment. We hope we can explore a successful experience in Shanghai, which could be replicated in the rest of the country. We will explore ways to develop a comprehensive reform pilot. For example, we will study how to manage cross-data flow and make standards for this. We will reduce negative lists for market access to improve the business environment. We will invite companies to take part in standard building. We will also further improve the financial system to support the real economy. So let's zoom in on the blueprint unveiled to support Pudong's high-level reform and opening up and the goal of transforming this new area as a leader in China's modernization drive. So with a time frame spanning from 2023 to 2027, the plan looks to deepen opening up of rules and standards, creating a model for institutional opening up. The blueprint also vows to improve the tech innovation system and build an open innovation ecosystem. Also on the cards is an overhaul of the mechanism for talent development and the creation of a hub for high-caliber talents. Efforts will also be taken to further transform the role of the government and unleash the vitality of various business entities. All right, for more on Shanghai's Pudong New Area, I want to bring in Professor John Gong from the University of International Business and Economics. Professor, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Michael. So, Professor, how do you see, I would say, the unique role of Shanghai's Pudong New Area in really fostering this new round of high-level reforms to power China's development and to further open up the country? My summary comment is history is going to repeat again. You know, Pudong represents the first wave of uh, several cities in China that's really opening up and the Deng Xiaoping era. Now I think in the what we call the new era, um, things are happening again. I think it's very glad to see that my hometown, Shanghai, Pudong, stands at the forefront of this new round of opening up. And I look at you know the, some of the things they've described in that document from the Shanghai municipal government. It looks like it's a it's a very audacious plan. I mean mm. they are very ambitious about you know really uh, reform measures that are cut deeply into the the Chinese um, government institutions. Um, I think um, you know it represents a very uh, ambitious and audacious move in my view, uh, particularly regarding you know capital um, what's described as capital project related uh, RMB convertibility. You know this represents a step towards full convertibility of the uh, China's uh, currency RMB. Yeah. So let's uh, dissect that implementation plan a little bit more. So this is the implementation plan for reforms in the Pudongnu area. You touched upon one of them, and it's exploring a path to capital account convertibility. Right. We mentioned more institutional opening up. Right. Uh, there are plans to develop cross-border e-commerce, right. cooperation on innovation and technology, attracting right. more talent. Data so flow. A, data flow. Also data, data flow, flow as yeah, well. This is a, exactly. Yeah. Rules on the digital economy. We know there are so many foreign uh, businesses in Shanghai. So if you're an overseas company uh, with plans to expand in China, further invest in China, how would you interpret this document? Well, I think um, it rebuts the theory that China's not investable and China is not going to be opening up. I think this is a resounding uh, rebuttal of that. It's a, it's a resounding answer uh, to, to the question uh, that China is going to continue to open it 
up and opening up in a very big way. Mm. Um, and it's something you know, in Chinese way of doing things, it's always doing things um, sort of on an experimental basis. So right now we're doing the same thing. Uh, we're doing this pilot project in Shanghai, really, really opening up and uh, see um, you know what's going to happen next and probably going to be broaden uh, that type of model. I also want to mention that uh, my um, uh, conjecture is that this has also to do with meeting China's um, uh, 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 commitment to CPTPP, join the CPTPP. And CPTPP has a very high level uh, opening up requirements. And, and I think this probably represents a very major effort towards that direction, that China is going to live up to the uh, CPTPP standard. Yeah. And you know, this is one example that we're trying to reach that goal. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about foreign trade with you in just a second, Professor. Okay. Many thanks for your thoughts on that. Sure. Back to you in just a second. Well, China has made substantial progress in further optimizing the business environment for foreign investors. Briefing the media earlier today, China's Commerce Minister Wang Wintao highlighted several measures implemented by the ministry, such as extending tax exemptions for foreign individuals and providing tax refunds for foreign research institutions purchasing Chinese-made equipment. The Commerce Ministry has been diligently working on implementing those 59 foreign investment-friendly policies recommended by the State Council last August and will continue to push for their successful implementation. Meanwhile, Vice Minister of Commerce Wang Shouwen also addressed the press, speaking about China's commitment to global trade. Now, he stated that China will strive to conclude negotiations with ASEAN on an upgraded free trade agreement and will actively pursue membership in the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, the CPTPP, and the Digital Economy Partnership Agreement this year. Regarding the Belt and Road Initiative, the Commerce Ministry expressed its intention to promote expanded trade and investment with participating countries with a focus on benefiting local communities. Furthermore, the Ministry acknowledged the challenging external environment anticipated in 2024 and mentioned that it is currently studying and evaluating policies to ensure stability when it comes to foreign trade. All right, let's get more on what China's Commerce Ministry said and the outlook for China's growth this year and bring back Professor Gong. Uh, Professor, so the Ministry of Commerce earlier at a press briefing spoke about the rich agenda for China's FTA negotiations this mm -hmm. year. So China this year looking to upgrade FTA uh, all the way from the Gulf countries down to New Zealand. Right. And of course, touching upon uh, making sure that we get that China ASEAN uh, FTA version 3.0 hopefully done uh, by this year as well. So what is your take on China's stance to promote global trade as we see slower growth, as we see geopolitics perhaps hampering global trade. Yeah, in my view, in the realm of uh, free trade agreement, uh, the two things are happening. What, what I call a fraught development. On one side, you see a wave of uh, um, protectionism coming from the United States and other countries. On the other hand, I think many countries are also negotiating FTA to a much, much higher level. Mm. I think the, you know, the, the, the FTA world itself is also evolving and also rapidly developing as well. It's not just about you know, removing tariff barriers or, 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 or other non-tariff barriers. I think you know, we're already talking about institutionally opening up. Uh, getting into what's called behind customs areas of reform. Mm. Uh, so I think uh, you know China has about 20 some free trade agreements with various countries, and all these free trade agreements have the potential of 
upgrading to a next level, something akin to, for example, the RCEP level or maybe even CPTPP level. So I think you know the Ministry of Commerce has a bureau dedicated to that effort, and they've always been talking about uh, keep talking to their partners, counterparts in other countries to uh, move the FTA to the next level. I think New Zealand uh, FTA is one example. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, China's talking about expanding what it calls a high-level network exactly. of these FDAs. Thank you so much, Professor. Yeah, thank you. Professor John Gong from UIB. All right, we're heading for a short break. Back in five seconds. Well, China's annual spring festival travel rush has kicked off with 9 billion trips anticipated across the country in the next 40 days. And that's twice the number from the same period last year. The 40-day holiday travel period is from January 26th to March 5th, when Chinese people will be traveling home to celebrate the Chinese New Year, which begins on February 10th. Now, it's estimated that 80% or 7.2 billion of the trips are non-commercial road trips. Since Thursday, over 74 million railway tickets have been sold. Now, this marks a 144% year-on-year increase. Air traffic is also expected to log a historic volume of passengers this year, with 2 million air trips expected per day. The traffic authorities have made preparations to ensure safe and smooth transportation during the Spring Festival travel rush. All right, let's get more on China's Spring Festival travel rush and check in with our Omar Khan, who's standing by for us at the Guangzhou East Railway Station. Uh, hi there, Omar. Tell us about what you're seeing on the ground. Well, Michael, first off, I want to say, look, it's almost Friday evening. You're in the studio. I'm on location. And the reality is all these people behind us, most of them are going home for the holiday, going to travel. So a bit of jealousy for me here. But as you mentioned at the top, it is the beginning of the Spring Festival travel rush, a 40-day time period where we witness the largest human migration. And yes, I'm at Guangzhou East Railway Station. But overall, the province of Guangzhou, uh, provincial authorities, transport authorities, be it rail, highways, train stations, uh, and of course airports, they've all uh, made preparations as the expectation is that this year, this Chinese year, is going to be massive. Plenty of people traveling throughout South China and beyond. Now, Guangzhou East Railway Station, they predict around 3.5 million passengers to traverse through this very station uh, throughout the travel rush period. In the 15 days prior uh, to the Chinese New Year, so the first two weeks, 15 days about, you're going to have 1.7 million people traveling with a daily average of 114,000. Now, all of those numbers, you crunch them together, that is a 153% year-on-year increase. Uh, I can feel it today. It is a Friday evening, I should say, so plenty of people. I'm sure you can see some of them uh, running around behind me trying to catch the trains and not be late to wherever they're going. There's going to be 158 uh, train routes out of here. Remember, Guangzhou East Railway Station, one of the older stations uh, here in the city of Guangzhou, connecting uh, to places like Chaoshan in eastern Guangdong, Huizhou, Shenzhen, of course, uh, Hong Kong, and even to places like Hangzhou and all the way up in the nation's capital to Beijing. So a major hub uh, for people getting out. It's situated right in downtown of the city, so quite convenient to get here. Now, overall, railway authorities in Guangdong 
are predicting a 33% increase in terms of passenger flows compared to last year. So again, a lot of people uh, still taking to the rails to move around this Chinese New Year. Now, just a few numbers on the overall transport situation here. I'll go through them right now. You have 10 million travelers expected to take uh, uh, for, uh, air transport as a form of way, as a form of getting home, I should say. They'll mostly be through Bayun International Airport. Of course, you have Shenzhen, Bawan, down Shenzhen. They'll see plenty of travel. Uh, and 127 million trips. That's including all forms of tra transportation, excuse me, will take place here in Guangdong province. That's a 25% increase. So the willingness of, willingness to travel, excuse me, people wanting to go home, be to travel both domestically, internationally, we can all feel that. Now, as for road vehicles, authorities uh, are predicting that highway traffic will go down. They believe waterways, uh, airports, and rail transit will be the top three forms of how people move around. Uh, but highways are going to see a, a reduced amount of vehicles on the road. So good news for those traveling uh, through that method. But overall, standard procedures being implemented. Uh, everything is online. Tickets you could have booked months ahead of time. Uh, that is all being done. Plenty of staff here at the station making sure everyone gets to their gate on time and enjoys their holiday. But you and I, we're going to keep doing this, Michael. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I want to contribute to the travel rush as well, Omar, just to fly over there, enjoy some authentic uh, Cantonese cuisine. So you're going to have to enjoy some of that for me this Friday evening. Uh, thanks again, Omar. Omar Khan for us in Guangzhou. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell. Because every business story is a human story. Global Business. Turning now to the world's largest economy, where U.S. GDP grew at an annualized pace of 3.3% in the final quarter of last year, beating market expectations. Our Caroline Malone is in Washington, D.C. with more. Well, the U.S. economy grew 3.3% in the last quarter of 2023, defying expectations somewhat and con continuing this moderate growth that the U.S. economy has been enjoying. A large part of that has to do with consumer spending that has continued to be strong throughout of last year, particularly over the holiday season where we saw people out spending on dining out, on cars, on health care and on a resilient labor market that continues to defy expectations as well. You know, a year ago, analysts were predicting that we could be in a downturn, even a recession at this point, but we're not seeing that at the moment. But the Federal Reserve will be looking at some key data points when they next meet to decide how to treat the economy. Um, the top line inflation rate is 1.7%. They've been aiming for about 2% for the last two years. They have been increasing interest rates. But it's likely that in 2024, for the remainder of this year, they will start to cut them, maybe as many as three cuts of 25 basis points each, unless saying we could be around the 4.6% interest rate mark by the end of 2024. Manufacturing data also continues to be important, uh, with some production uh, moderately decreasing, as is the labor market and consumer spending. But overall, the growth and inflation pretty much in line with what the Federal Reserve would be hoping for. Caroline Malone for CGTN in Washington. And that's going to do it for this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. We'll see you again next time.